It's official. It's official. <laughs> we are bringing back the podcast. Yes, back from the dead. Okay, do you want to start? Sure. So, hello, podcast listeners. My name's Josie Rambler, and I am a apprentice this year, an acting apprentice, as you could say. <laughs> um, I'm Cynthia Gonzalez. Um, I am the technical apprentice here at The Common Wheel, and we are the new co-hosts for The Common Wheel Podcast. Yeah, so we're really excited for this new project. Basically, we wanted to start it up again because... We had seen some of the old podcast episodes, and they were really interesting to us, and we wanted to give it a shot ourselves and see where it takes us. Yeah, I and I think it's just, it's a great opportunity to expand, like, what we can do with our with our time here at the Commonweal, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's just a great way to bring people in on how things are done here at the Commonweal, um, and make it an accessible way to know those things absolutely and actually it's kind of funny how we came up with this idea of restarting the podcast because (laughs) um, it was during what was it like a it was during the all theater clean Mm -hmm. and we were taking everything out of the crossover yeah so we were basically just lugging these huge pieces of wood out from the back of the theater and loading them into the van and somehow the podcast came up. Yeah, Josiah had like mentioned it, mm-hmm. and is like, "It's a thing," but me and but Tim don't anymore. have. Yeah, me and Tim <laughs> don't have time for it anymore. Yeah, and so basically, <laughs> Synth and I, our ears perked up, <laughs> and we jumped onto that opportunity. We sunk our claws in. <laughs> Literally, yeah. I mean, and we were, we were. We were set from the get-go. Like, as soon as that came out of his mouth, we, like, both locked eyes. Yeah. And we knew that both of us were like, this is happening. Yeah. This this is happening. Without a doubt. Yeah. And I think the reason that I'm so interested in this podcast is just because I am an avid podcast listener. I have, like, five or ten podcasts that I will listen to on a regular basis. And I think it's a great way for people to learn about the Commonweal as a whole from a little bit of a behind-the-scenes perspective. Yeah. And events like our Page to Stage series are so incredible, but I think that this podcast provides a little bit of introspection into some other aspects of what it's like to just be in a theater. Right. I mean, and it's it's really interesting, too, because we have, like, the artist admin structure. And, like, something that Hal t- talks about a lot is, like, people will see me on stage and then for the next show I'll be working in the box office or I'll be hosting like whatever Mm -hmm. but and like similar to having the podcast like we're gonna have people on here and like you get to see another side of them you know just like laid back chilled and like them just like talking about the things that they're passionate about which I think is really cool exactly do we want to talk a little bit about ourselves how we got here that's how we got idea. to the common wheel? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, me? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I went to Augustana College in Illinois, um, and I majored, I double majored in some theater concentrations, and I applied for the common wheel last August, I think, and they were like, this doesn't close until December, so we'll get back to you about an interview then. Um, and while I was waiting for that, I did research on the common wheel, and I just thought that it really fit what I wanted to do. 
um, because I, I never want to tie myself down to one thing and like here the common wheel, you're able to do everything like we're doing right now, <laughs> which is great. Um, so yeah, so far at the common wheel, I have assistant stage managed two shows and I help a lot with changeovers and really just whatever the production team needs from me and now development team which is really exciting yeah synth and i are both on the development team together and we had a meeting with jeremy earlier today talking about what the development team is and what certain things you can do to help support the development team are which has been interesting because it's not necessarily as task oriented as some right. of the other teams but it gives us a lot of opportunity for visualizing things in the far future instead of just looking yeah. at this season. It's so nice, too, to, like, see, like, it was really nice to hear Jeremy talk about it today because, like, I, like, we have that, um, our donation sign in the lobby It is like, ticket sales are only, like, half of our costs. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, like, fundraising is like so important for theaters and I've never really thought about that aspect um, which I think is why the apprentice program is so great because you truly get to see every facet of how to make a theater company run what about you Josie <laughs> so a little bit about me um, I recently graduated from Luther College in Decorah in May and I graduated with a theater BA and then also a Nordic Studies minor. Work. And I had a great time at Luther. It was definitely a place where I grew so much. And I was also really lucky because the Commonweal is quite close to Luther and has a number of connections that make it easy to step in as an intern, which is what I did a few years ago. And for those that experience, it was just me working as a front of house support on show nights and I think that allowed me to see some of the ways that the Commonweal prioritizes patron relations which is something that stands out to me so mm -hmm. much like it's not just making that first connection as someone is walking into the theater it's stewarding that relationship with those patrons and really trying to invest in their lives and make them feel like this place is at home for them which really just helped me see this theater as something that stands out to me and a place that I want to be a part of. So at the Commonweal, um, currently I'm rehearsing in Jekyll and Hyde. I'm playing pool, which is a butler. Yes. <laughs> and I've been learning how to do an Irish accent, which has been really interesting for me yeah. because I've never done an Irish accent before, even though I have some other dialect training. It's definitely a challenge. But we have so many good resources here, like Hal is doing dialect coaching for us, and he's provided a lot of good insight and feedback to me. And then also for Women in Jeopardy, I was a second ASM and with synth, <laughs> which was really great and really, really challenging, actually, because I had never fulfilled a stage management position in that capacity before. And so it was a great learning experience for me to be able to have that detail-oriented, super-focused style of work um, and in a way that I hadn't done before. So it was really interesting. And 
you had some understudy performances. I did. In drag. Yes. <laughs> we, we say that I was in drag. <laughs> because there, in Women in Jeopardy, I was understudying the role of Amanda, which is played by another one of our apprentices, Hannah. And it was super, super fun being an understudy because I basically had a great opportunity to just dive into a role and then once it's done I kind of dust my hands off and then I put it behind me and there were challenges with that but it was just so great and everyone was so supportive to me and helping me reach my goals that was that was so fun and it's also like crazy to think that like this is the first year where we've kind of had like true understudies like so many times in the past few years it's been like emergency understudies Mm -hmm. like in case something happens but um being able to see another person step into a role for a few performances like with you and with lizzie and death trap it's been so with linda oh yes linda Linda too Mm -hmm. yeah it, it it's just been so much fun to like an audience get the experience of being able to see multiple people mm-hmm. uh, yeah it was so fun miss it <laughs> <laughs> okay so what else have we done since we've gotten here we did our apprentice video oh my gosh our apprentice video <laughs> if people haven't watched it you can find it on the common wheel youtube channel yes and it was such a blast yeah. to create very unhinged yeah <laughs> so basically every year Um, the apprentice class gets to make a video kind of like introducing themselves and the previous year and our year are the first time the videos were allowed to have like dialogue I guess like the other times it was just like kind of video and music really I didn't know that yes that's crazy yeah so it was nice that we got to like I feel like we we strayed a little bit because like a lot of the other apprentices were like it's getting to know them. Mm-hmm. But like we wrote like a little sk- sketch, you know. Yeah. And, but I feel like that just like kind of shows our vibe mm-hmm. as exactly. a class. And I think also the video really showed our different personality traits like so well. Oh yeah. And my favorite my favorite little bit is Tom. <laughs> Yes, Tom's whole it's persona. so good. Just like hearing Hannah just go, Tom, yeah. is just going to be like burned in my skull forever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we filmed that in an hour, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Just thinking about all of the stuff that we did. And Josiah really made it with the editing. Yeah. Like the editing. It was perfect. Yeah, it was so good. I'm, I, I'm so happy with how it turned out. And like... There are some people in the community who have never watched The Apprentice videos before, and they've watched ours. Oh, really? And have been like, this mm-hmm. is so funny. Yeah. So, so it was that so makes fun. my heart happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I had never seen The Real Housewives before. Like, um, that, that show just wasn't something that I was interested in. But you can so clearly oh, yeah. see the vibe of the show just by watching the video. Like, oh, I think yeah. we hit the nail on the head with that. Yeah. Our catchphrases, too, are another one of my favorites because, like, I feel like there's a mixture of, like, some people, like, making a joke of themselves Mm -hmm. and some people making a joke of, like, the real housewives. Mm -hmm. I really think, yeah, it was just a great mixture. It was so much fun. I love that video. 
I think it's just amazing how much freedom we had with it. Like we got basically no guidelines. It was just like produce something that shows your personalities as a way of introducing yourselves and that was it. And we kind of just like went with it, which I think was perfect. I think it gave us so much creativity and that is a huge theme (laughs) with this apprenticeship is that you can really make it into whatever you'd like it to be. Yeah. We've also, literally since the first time we all met each other as a group, have been working up to our apprentice capstone. And I don't think, like, hard work is done, but, like, selecting a script, like, that was a really hard part of the process. Yeah. It was, like, it is the type of thing I've, I've never done before. Right. Like having to come up with a unanimous decision and there isn't somebody in the group who has like final say. Mm-hmm. Like we all have to be able to agree that this be is willing. the best way right. to go. Like right. it's been super interesting. So if you need a little bit of background information, the Apprentice Capstone Project is something that every apprentice class gets to do where we select a script with the help of Hal and then we produce and perform it with the help of a director but with all of the other apprentices filling their own production team roles and acting roles, which is crazy. It is. It's wild. It's And it's like so... Like, just thinking about, like, the emotional tie that all of us are going to have to whatever show we pick. Mm -hmm. Just because, like, you guys are portraying the characters, but also, like, designing their world. Like, it is, it's going to be such an emotional experience. Yeah. It's going to be a lot, but I'm so excited. Right now, we're, like, in, like, waiting status. Mm -hmm. We don't know our show yet, but... But we have what seems to be a clear two front runners. Yeah. So we'll see what direction that takes it in. But it's crazy that now we have two clear ones. When, when we first started, we had, what, like 16 scripts? Literally. Which we all read for the most part and kind of just like... <laughs> <laughs> we almost read all of them. <laughs> but 16 scripts is a lot. Yeah. Um, and then we just had this huge meeting where we described the plays that each of us are presenting. Like, I think I had like four that I wanted to propose. Mm-hmm. And then it's just giving a short synopsis and going on from there and seeing what is interesting to the group and what's not. But one theme that I think has been really interesting is that all of the apprentices really wanted to have something that felt current and relevant to now. And of course, like, there are people, myself included, who have a really soft spot for classical theater, for Shakespeare, for, um... (laughs) That's the only one that I have a soft spot for. (laughs) But, But, yeah, so we're in the process of this capstone project, and this can be something that we keep updating our listeners to... Oh, yeah. ...as we go through... Um, so you guys will have a little bit of insight into the craziness that is producing this yeah. show, whatever it will be. What are your unconfirmed roles for admin and artistic roles for our capstone? Yeah, so for my admin role, I'll be unofficially doing marketing um, with the help with Hannah. 
Hannah will be doing more design work and I'll be doing more of the outreach, which I'm so excited for. I think that marketing is just so fun and interesting and stimulating for me. And for my design role, I'll be doing sound, which is super interesting because I've never done that before and I love music. What are the roles that you'll be doing? Um, well, I'm stage managing, which is kind of just like the thing that the technical apprentice does. Um, but for my artistic roles, I am doing intimacy direction and dramaturgy, which I'm so excited to work with you and Hannah with like marketing and dramaturgy. Mm-hmm. It's going to be so much fun. Um, and then my design role is scenic design. And then my admin role is head of production. Yeah. I'm just, I'm significantly, severely jealous of you and Joseph (laughs) with sound and lighting. Because, like, whatever show it is, like, it's just going to, like, those two parts of tech are going to be so much fun Mm -hmm. and so much fun to create. Yeah, and that must be kind of hard for you as a tech apprentice to have experience in different areas, but not necessarily the capacity to do it to do every single thing for a show like that is just yeah. not feasible well like too i think it'll be it'll be nice being head of production because like just also helping you guys fulfill your like what you want in your design role i think will be really fun mm-hmm. like being like i have this image or like whatever in my head but i don't know how to translate that like being able to like go through that process I think is going to be a lot of fun Mm -hmm. it's going to be great um resident company members are also offering like classes so like we've had two classes so far which have been amazing yeah and then during our off season they're going to get more specific to like costumes 101 Mm -hmm. scenic 101 sound 101 so it's like they're really giving us the resources to just like let our creativity run Mm -hmm. so the first class that we had was a suzuki movement class with josiah and lori which are resident ensemble members here and that was super super interesting we were working a lot with specific movement styles and extreme awareness of the body. And then the second class that we had was an audio descriptions course with David. And that was super interesting because it was working with how to describe a show to people who are visually impaired. Um, And that's something that I think is overlooked very often in theater, just accessibility as a whole and generally. And so I think it's a really good sign that the common meal is very attentive to those issues. Yeah. Well, and it's also like all of the classes that we're taking too, um, and just like how the common wheel supports their company members is like, they like pay so much attention to the fact that like American theater is not where it should be. Mm-hmm, and right. like so many learning techniques that we like that are instilled here come from Europe and Asia like Mm -hmm. and it's just like it's so it's so cool to see that like everyone here is well-rounded 
and like they have the knowledge to make meaningful work right right they I think that is the true gift of the artist administrator model is because everyone has such a plethora of knowledge of things that can be applied to so many different areas like with Adrian it can be marketing and her brilliant mind as it comes to being an actor and just like an ability to step into a role and then also be juggling all of these other balls and have so much other things going on but still being able to focus in and get a performance or a rehearsal done yeah and like I talk about Jackie all the time but like the fact that Jackie was in Bernhard Hamlet directed Death Trap yeah Intimacy directs a show when she's not in it, is in Jekyll and Hyde, and the production manager, and has an outside job. Right. Like, it is just, like, so crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Like, how intelligent everybody is Mm -hmm. here. But, like, I feel like the only reason that that is successful is because of the, like, mantra of I will hold you up. Mm-hmm. And, like, there are high expectations, but, like, there is forgiveness within that, which I think m- what right. makes it s- so successful here yeah. and how people can portray their art as much as they do mm-hmm. in every facet that they want to do that. And that can be so encouraging to us as young artists because we see people who are doing so many different things and using their skills in so many different ways that it can be it can be real for us to not just stick with one thing, to not just stick with stage management, but to also do so many other things in in a theater company. And I mean, I I don't know if that can necessarily be applied to places that aren't artist administrator models, but like... Or just like small independent theaters. Like truly, if you want to get your name out there like it is like you need to have a bazillion credits in one thing Mm -hmm. to show that you are good at that but here it is like you already have to prove that you're a well-rounded artist with the structure of the company yeah so it's like when you want to do something or expand what you already do like you are trusted with that Mm -hmm. and given the support that you need So something that we want to incorporate into this new podcast structure is doing a little bit of a throwback every podcast episode. And so aside from the throwbacks, we will hopefully be doing episodes Mm bi-weekly, which is our plan as of right now, and then inviting guests and people from the Commonweal or from the Lanesboro community to talk about their experience with the Commonweal. And... A goal of the throwbacks is to find connections to things in the past that the Commonweal has done and then apply them to now or to lift the veil of the past and and see what can be learned about what the Commonweal has done. I mean, there's 35 years of art and like, I feel like there is just so much that is buried. Like some of the stuff that we're going to talk about, like... I'm just like, this is so cool. Like, like why? Like, I just like, it's not something 
you can't learn everything <laughs> when you first get here because you're like learning how to exist and work in the space. But like Common Wheel just has so much rich history with how they make art and like having this little section of our podcast like I think really helps highlight that mm-hmm. and like show like how the common wheel got to where it is now yeah exactly so as we were looking through these crazy this huge huge amount of archive it is wild and it's yeah. also crazy to just see how the archives archives have changed with technology because it's like all of the mm-hmm. like early 2000s stuff there is like actual pictures of like the performance right. photos printed off photos right. in folders but like for us for the past few years all of that is just in our google drive right you know right. and it so it's like crazy too to see how things have changed Mm -hmm. and like which shows have a bunch of stuff or like a bunch of newspaper clippings and like whatever yeah it's very interesting yeah so the first thing that caught my eye as i was looking through some of these archives was when the common wheel did a christmas carol in 2001 and the Common Wheel has done A Christmas Carol a number of times in yeah. a number of different ways, <laughs> which we will get into that. Yeah. But the reason that I was drawn to this production of A Christmas Carol was because as I was looking through the archives, I was looking at a few performance photos and I saw an image of Mark Baer, who is the current director of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which will be opening at the beginning of September. So I was looking through these images. I saw Mark, and previously I had known that Mark has been at the Common Wheel. That was something that I had heard about, and he like would talk in rehearsals about how much he liked being at the Common Wheel and things like that. But I just think it's so interesting and so clear. It, it speaks towards how the Common Wheel operates that someone can come and do a few seasons with the Common Wheel. 20 years ago and then 20 years later they're back and they are investing in a new production a new performance with their built upon experience in the career and I was talking to Mark about this too I showed him an image and we had a little laugh just because (laughs) it's crazy how I was I was not born (laughs) when Mark first came to the common wheel like it's just as young artists, like, I think it's really easy for us to just think of time going by so fast. And if I miss this opportunity, like, that's it for me, then, like, what am I doing? And you can really just take a breath, take your time, invest yourself in where you are, right. and trust that you have time to develop your skills. Yeah. And, like, he was here for, like, two years, I think, and now, like, he... Like, he is noticed as, like, a successful alumni of Mm -hmm. the company. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, it's just so crazy to hear the stories that he tells and just, like, how, like, one of the reasons he'll never forget the common wheel is that, like, he had to wake up super early in the morning to get to his next gig and, like, the entire company, like, came and sang him to his car. And it's, like... 
like the connections mm-hmm. that we built at the co- that we build at the common wheel and because of how it is structured like like it's just a place that right. you can't forget about right exactly and that's that reminds me of something that mark said to me of how he has worked with many companies in his time and like as a seasonal artist or as someone who is just coming in to do a show and then leaving but the common wheel is one that just stands out so much for him because that connection is held even after he leaves and he still feels like a valued person to the right. common wheel and not as much to other theaters when his contract with other theaters is over right also from what i've gathered it was fully acted in one setting in the attic of a house. That's so cool. Which, I mean, without reading it, it's kind of hard to imagine a Christmas carol being placed just in an attic. Right. But it's just so interesting to have this little look into the past, see how things are different, and then also compare this production to a recent production. Yeah. So um, my throwback for this week is also A Christmas Carol. Um, And it was the production that they did in 2021. Um, And the Commonweal, as a company, adapted this. And the inspiration to adapt it was to have a female presenting person play Scrooge. But they didn't want it to be a pants roll. They wanted it to be Scrooge as a woman Mm -hmm. and how Scrooge changes when the gender identity changes. Which I, like, reading this, I was just so... Like, just the thought they put into it and how they connected it to, like, businesswomen today. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, would a woman be able to be as cold as Scrooge is, especially to his employer, his employees, um, like, would that even be possible in order for her to succeed? Yeah. Um, and, like, just, like, also, Craig Johnson directed this. Wow. He also helped a little bit with the adaptation because he has worked with, like, old English literature before, which is, like, so crazy also to see, like, his different work and how just, like, the type of work that he does. Because he just right. he just directed Women in Jeopardy, which is, like, our main comedy of the season. Um, but, yeah. Um, and I think also what's really interesting about the most recent production of A Christmas Carol is that kind of like what you were saying, Synth, with how Scrooge would be perceived as a woman is that I saw this production and really I did I loved it it was amazing I really really enjoyed the performances but one thing that I was thinking about as I was watching it is this woman Scrooge as a woman would have totally been seen as a bitch yeah like just absolutely someone who it just is too ambitious and grabs onto power too much and is seen as being too reactive or too emotional. Whereas when Scrooge as a man is playing this, like, yes, he's seen as a grouchy old man, but not with as much maliciousness that right. Scrooge as a woman is being perceived as. And I feel like he gets a lot of forgiveness 
because then you get to see his past with the three ghosts. Mm -hmm. But it's like, does a woman get that same forgiveness? Yeah. It's like always like, well, regardless of what's going on, like she should be acting like this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. But like when a man does those same same thing, there's always more sympathy. So you saw it. Mm -hmm. I didn't. Um, How, like... Did the demeanor of Scrooge change? Or, like, what were they trying to get across? Were they trying to get across, like, the conversation we were just having? Like, how there's different expectations of men and women? Or did they change the grumpiness of Scrooge? I think that's a really hard question to answer because, unfortunately, I only saw it once. And it was a few years ago. So it's not as fresh in my memory. Mm -hmm. But from what I recall and from what I saw on the outside, it was that Scrooge was much of the same person, mm-hmm. only just played by a woman. Mm. Um, and so that like that grumpiness, that kind of abrasiveness that Scrooge has, I think was carried in a very similar way to the, to the way that Adrian played it. Yeah. And what's crazy, too, looking at this, is that Adrian just played Sarah Bernhardt mm-hmm. in Bernhardt Hamlet, where a woman is getting criticized about her personal yeah. life and the fact that she wants to play Hamlet. And so it's cool to see Adrian play that character, but also see that Adrian has a history of analyzing um, pants roles and seeing how that changes mm-hmm. when it's not a pants role, right. but completely changing the character to be female identifying. Mm-hmm. Right. So our last segment of our podcast are going to kind of giving you an insight on what we have going on until we see each other again for another podcast. Yeah, this is a little week in our lives. Yeah. An overview. (laughs) So coming up this weekend is the designer run for Jekyll and Hyde. And a designer run is basically where all of the designers are present to a run of the show, as as the title of the event can <laughs> you in on. Um, and a lot of times it's it's recorded, right? I don't know. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. It just depends on the needs. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this will be a chance for the actors to really put the show on its feet and to try doing things all the way through without stopping um, for a run. And also it allows like one really prominent theme in Jekyll and Hyde that is kind of a challenge is all of the costume changes and all of the different ways that actors are stepping into roles. And so it'll be really helpful for our costume designer and our stage management to see the time in between these costume changes. And like, for instance, if my character Poole, if one scene I'm playing the girl and the next scene I'm back into Poole, if I have only a few seconds to change, maybe my Poole butler jacket won't have actual buttons, maybe it will have Velcro or snap-on type things. So it allows for a quicker, easier change. Those are some of the things that we'll be looking for in the designer run. Yeah, I'm so excited. I'm excited for more people to see the show and also just to see like how our work so far is going to like 
portray itself to people who have not seen it yet. I think especially with the violence and the intimacy in the show. This is like the show of the season where like intimacy and stage combat are hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Like with Death Death Trap, it's significant stage combat, women in jeopardy. There are a few like intimacy scenes, same with Bernhardt Hamlet. Bernhardt Hamlet had a little bit of both, but like in this show, intimacy and stage combat are basically happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's been really cool to see our intimacy director and our fight choreographer like work through that and the environment of the rehearsals that we need for those parts Mm -hmm. in the show yeah and I think violence and intimacy are really intrinsic to telling the story of this show because Hyde is a character who follows his impulses immediately who doesn't think twice he just reacts he's very reactive and when he meets elizabeth there is a moment of hyde realizing that the best thing maybe wouldn't be to follow his impulses and to commit a violent act against her it's to maybe realize his attraction to her and that allows for moments where arousal and violence are happening at the same time on stage and like literally there are moments of violence and also intimacy interacting in a in a very tight condensed way which i think is what makes this show interesting yeah uh i could talk forever about about this show Mm -hmm. and just like how how the nuance that the adapt the adapter has created with separating Jekyll and Hyde mm-hmm. and how the the actor that plays Jekyll never plays Hyde. Um, it's really, really interesting. And like, it's like, it just makes the staging more theatrical. Yeah. Like it's just, it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. What else do we have going up? I mean, we're about to close death trap. Yeah. That's a big thing. Yeah. That's a sad thing. Yeah. I mean, that show has been running since we got here. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. It's going to be very sad. Yeah. But, I mean, what what a fun show. I really loved Death Trap. It was so. If you haven't seen it yet, definitely go and catch some of the last performances because it is such a surprising show. There are so many twists and turns and. I think it's just such a fun ride. Yeah. I mean, and it was a great... Bernhardt... No. Death Trap was the first show that I saw here. Mm. So it was great for that show, like, to see the caliber of the art that is created here. And, like, the mission is, like, storytelling through Mm actor-based movement and staging, whatever it is. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, that is not the only thing that is important like the set is good Mm -hmm. like the lighting and sound design is so thought out you know like it yeah Mm -hmm. rest in peace death trap you will be missed yeah (laughs) rest in peace (laughs) 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 okay anything else before we close out 
If you were interested by our discussions on Jekyll and Hyde, you should keep an eye out for future podcast episodes where we will be potentially bringing in some of the people on the production team to interview them or actors and to delve a little bit deeper into what goes into producing such a crazy, chaotic show. A little tidbit for the listeners of the podcast. This is a podcast exclusive tidbit. Very serious. (laughs) In Act 1, there was a costume chart created by our ASM2 Joseph, who's another apprentice, and Joseph counted that there were over 40 costume changes in Act 1 alone by all the actors, which kind of just lends to how chaotic this show is, how much there's going on, there is going on on stage, and it's just so interesting yeah. and so fun. And the type of work and concentration it takes to create a production of this type of show that isn't muddy. Yes. And making sure that the audience is getting everything that they need to get. Mm-hmm. And they know exactly who an actor is playing, what character an actor is playing right. at each time. Right. Exclusive. Exclusive <laughs> news. <laughs> okay, everyone. Well, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast episode. Let us know what you think. If you enjoy it, if there are certain things that you'd like to hear more about, we'd be happy to entertain those requests. Period. (laughs) (laughs) Period. Okay, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you. See you next time. See you next time.